Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name is Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. What's up, Hannah? Hello. I always feel myself freeze when we start an episode because I'm like, what do I say first? Uh, <laughs> or who's going to say what first? Yeah. Yeah. Like, should we say it at the same time? Um, oh, you know, I'm just over here getting ready for the new year and I'm, I'm chilling a little bit this week. What's up with you? Same chilling this week. It's really nice. I saw something on Instagram earlier that said your business isn't going to spontaneously combust. If you take the week off between Christmas and new year's. (laughs) Hate that, but also love that. (laughs) (laughs) It made me, it made me feel a lot better about taking this week slower than I anticipated. Totally. It's like, I hate it because in some ways I wish I would have done that. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I love what I do. And I want to see my clients and support them. And I want to get my business coaching clients ready for the new year and things like that. So I make a fart noise with my mouth because I feel called out and I should. I think next year I'll probably take it off because my birthday is also the week after Christmas. Whoop, whoop. Yep. So Friday, right? And Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, December 30th. That's my birthday. I'll be 28. And that feels cool to be. Well, I guess I was already in my late 20s, but I feel like late 20s, 30s is going to be. 28 is a solid, I'm in my late 20s kind of year. Yeah. I just can't believe it. I can't believe I, I got here. Like, I'm pretty sure when people ask me how old I am, I, I still say 25 because I forgot part of that's with COVID. Um, and part of that is like, I don't know. I just fucking forgot. Yeah. Time flies. I, the same thing happens to me. I just want to perpetually be 25. That was a really good year. <laughs> oh, old 25. All right. Check-in of the week. We decided last week that we're going to continue this check-in. What was hard in business this week? <laughs> I am pretty sure I might have COVID right now. So I am isolating. I have a headache. My body hurts. And so, yep, not seeing anybody still working, but my work capacity is lower than I would like it to be. And I'm just honoring that. And it sucks. It really sucks because I need this time this week. Good old bodies forcing us to slow down when we need to. Mm-hmm. Good old pandemics fucking us up again. What about you? What was hard? Well, if you listen to last week's episode, you know that my laptop went kaput last week. Kaput. That's still hard. I went and got my college laptop from my parents' house. And I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but the hardware in order to connect to Wi-Fi is not installed on that computer for some reason. 
called Apple support was on the phone with them for 45 minutes. And they're like, that's a vintage laptop. And I was like, <laughs> it was, it's not that old. What do you mean? It's vintage. They're like, but it's letting me make an appointment for you at the genius bar. So go ahead and take it in. Took it in on Sunday, two days after Christmas, day after Christmas. He fixed it, which was great. Brought it home. It worked for five minutes and then it stopped working again. But I just picked up my laptop again that got fixed. And for that, I'm very thankful. But not having a laptop that I can, and I know this is such a minor problem. I was still able to connect to the internet via ethernet. It was fine, but I had to rearrange my whole workspace because the ethernet cable wasn't long. And it just put, it was just like a weird, like things aren't functioning as normal. So do I really want to work type moment? I can't believe they called your laptop vintage. (laughs) It's a 2013 laptop. That's not vintage. I guess it is eight years ago. Maybe it is vintage. Somebody look up what the definition of vintage is for us and report back. I associate vintage with like 60s, 70s, 80s, but maybe that's just for decor. Yeah, I feel like with the the way technology changes, the 2013 laptop may be considered vintage, but it still works just fine. So I'm not going to let that get me down. Love it. Love that you were able to use it a little bit. And I also love that you have your computer back. Yay. That's a win. Me too. The camera is much better on the newer computers. I will say that. Doing the Zoom call on the old computer last week was a little rough. I went back to watch the replay and I was like, everything's blurry. You were a little fuzzy. That's fine. It's just, it was just one week. We're back. We're rocking and rolling now. We do our best. Well, today we are going to dive into the question that we both get asked all the time when we do business coaching, which is where the fuck do I even start with my business? We love an open-ended question that is an umbrella question of so many things and so much insight we can give. So We did narrow it down to three starting points that we thought would be helpful. And then we want to share a little advice, our number one piece of advice from each of us. So man, starting a business, so fun, so scary, so thrilling. Literally all of the emotions that you can experience within like a 24 hour period. Whenever I started my business, I just remember waking up, being anxious, going to a coffee shop, being excited, seeing someone else do something similar on Instagram and falling into the comparison trap and then getting sad and then getting anxious and then getting excited. All of them, all all the time. The cycle that keeps giving. And we're a few years into our business and that cycle continues to keep giving. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm feeling that so hard. I mean, with my group practice coaching that I do, that feels like a baby business right now. And sometimes I'm like, how the, where, what, how, what do I do next? How do I make this legit? Where do I, where do I start? So I I totally can relate to that in real time. And I remember when I was starting my private practice, I think I was just kind of chugging along of like, cool, this is a next step. This is a next step. And using resources, like, um, I know we mentioned last time inspired to seek that was really helpful because they laid it out step-by-step of how to set up your private practice. I know there's a bunch of stuff like, like that. So I really felt having an outline was helpful. And I just kind of chugged away through that. But I wish I would have been more thoughtful. I have a question for you. Has it gotten easier to start each new business? Like, was the most recent business you started easier than the first one? 
Uh, it's a good question. It's funny because I don't know that I considered my group pr- practice coaching a business until now as I'm spoiler alert working with Morgan on branding and my website. And so I just kind of started doing it. Again, I guess falling into that pattern I had in the past of like just going into it, just taking the next step. And it kind of just fell into my lap because people wanted to consult with me about Nourished Colorado. I'm like, cool, I can help you set up your practice. Happy to do that. Excited to have more group practices taking insurance. Um, That's a way I can serve more clients without directly serving clients, right? That's like my big value with all my businesses. And so, yeah, it was just kind of word of mouth and people reaching out to me. So I would say that part was easy because I didn't have to do any marketing which I fucking hate, (laughs) which we'll talk about in the future. I don't want to hate it, but I do. And so I guess it was easy in that way. I think as I make it legit and it has its own website, I'm going to have to hustle with the marketing a little more. So I'll report back if it's easy or hard. It's already, I know it's going to be hard. That's fair. I feel like anytime I get a new business idea, And I think this is probably just the Enneagram 7 in both of us, how we're really fucking good at starting things and really not so great at following through on them. Why you call us out? It's a pattern that is so prevalent in my life that I'm reminded of it at least weekly whenever I have a new business idea pop up. And I'm like, oh my God, I could totally start that. And I'm like, "Mm, nope, focus on what you need to do to grow what you currently have. Cause you're going to have to pay yourself to keeping an entrepreneur, Morgan, get it together. I relate to that. I relate to that in my personal life too. Uh, this morning I was doing a little cleaning cause I wasn't feeling well. And I'm like, well, it'll make me feel better if my condo's clean. And I fucking didn't finish cleaning and I had time. I just like moved on to something else. And now there's like a giant pile of clothes on the floor in my bedroom. So that's my plans later, just starting something and not finishing following it. through. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, today we are bringing you, as Hannah mentioned, three things to think through when you are starting your business or in those very beginning stages, or even if you've already started a business and you're still overwhelmed, go back to these three things. Make sure you hash these out. I think you'll, I think you'll get quite a bit of clarity from them as you move forward in your business. Absolutely. So the first thing, number one is what are you going to offer? Picking one thing to focus on, whether that be you're a clinician and you want to offer one-on-one counseling, whether you're a therapist, a dietitian, an intuitive eating coach, a personal trainer who's doing one-on-one work, focus on that one offering. Other offering types that kind of fall into that category of one-on-one work could also be supervising other folks in the eating disorder and weight-inclusive space. It could be doing consulting work with other folks if you do have a business and you're wanting to level up and have another business and doing some coaching, whether that puts you in a role of being a support to somebody else starting their business or any kind of coaching that might come your way. Yeah. And I'll add on to that just because if you're anything like me and you were working as a dietitian and then you wanted to add on non-clinician related work on the side, if that sparks your interest, working as a virtual assistant, 
doing business coaching more in the sense of marketing, Hannah's favorite, (laughs) doing design work, social media management, things like that. As Hannah mentioned, when you're just starting, just pick one thing. There's always going to be room to grow. There's always going to be ways that you can add on other services, other packages. I would say even if you're a clinician, like have an initial appointment and a follow-up appointment and leave it at that. You can add packages down the road. Keep it simple because if you start adding on too much too quickly, it can get really confusing for the person trying to figure out if they want to hire you. Just start with one thing. Absolutely. You have to kind of work on that craft, really get good at that craft and then go from there. So you decided what you're offering. Awesome. What's next? Next is to identify your why. Why you're offering what you're offering, why you want to do it. This concept comes from one of mine and Hannah's favorite human beings, Simon Sinek. He has an incredible TED Talk, if you haven't listened to it, about defining your why. And he uses this thing called the golden circle, where on the outside of the golden circle is your what, on the middle is your how, and in the center is your why. And his claim to fame is people don't buy what you're doing. They don't buy how you're doing it. They buy why you do what you do. Ooh. I love that. I love the reminder of the golden circle. And what is cool about that concept is it's so simple. It makes sense, right? You have to know what, which is what we talked about, how you're going to do it, which I feel comes later. And then why, why are you offering what you're offering? Are you passionate about challenging fat phobia and helping people get better from eating disorders? Are you passionate about providing supervision to other clinicians because you want to contribute to the field? Are you passionate about helping people get set up with their business and you do website design and, you know, there's so many reasons why. Yeah. And I would say the best way to summarize your why, if you need something to keep going back to, to kind of keep you in the bowling lane with your bumpers up is your mission statement of your business that that defines exactly why you do what you do. It is a verb of what you're doing. And I'm going to encourage you to choose a verb other than help. So you can do coaching, educating, supporting, things like that. Your target audience that you're going to be working with. But the most important part, I think, which really ties back to the why, is highlighting your USP or your unique selling point. And it's the thing that lights your soul on fire. It's the differentiate, differentiating factor that you're bringing to the table because that's what you're so passionate about. Ooh, will you share what your USP is? You're going to freaking put me on the spot. I would say my unique selling position that sets me apart from other designers and strategists is that I've worked in the field. Mm. So I support weight-inclusive business owners through design and strategy by being able to speak their lingo and understand their business model. I love that. What's yours? Ooh, I was hoping you'd ask. I don't know if I have the correct wording down exactly, but for me and all the businesses I have, I really care about access to care and wanting to reach all kinds of people. And I think that is my unique selling point that connects me being a clinician providing one-on-one services 
me running a group practice and having other clinicians to serve clients. And these clinicians also are insurance providers. And then when I do group practice coaching with other clinicians, so far I've done therapists and dietitians. I'm not really working with people who are private pay because it, it just doesn't make sense for me. And I don't know how to help them. Like, again, back to marketing, one of our biggest marketing is we are accessible. And so people find us through their insurance websites and other providers who take insurance. So, and then when people do consulting with me, it's usually getting their insurance stuff set up. And so it all ties back to that access to care and utilizing a system to still get paid well and also benefit the client. Love that so much. It's so important. And I think it, you know, your mission statement, as I mentioned, can is supposed to be kind of your bumpers and your bowling lane. So you don't veer off too much. It keeps you within those realms. And so the fact that you're able to use access to care as kind of a defining pillar in your business to know whether or not someone's going to be a good fit to work with you in terms of the business side of things is awesome. Absolutely. I want to come back to what you said earlier, just about the importance of knowing your why, because when shit gets hard in your business, you might feel a little existential and think, why am I doing this? Like, am I in alignment with what I want to create? And being able to come back to that why and knowing what it is, is going to help you ground. 100% nailed it. I come back to that all the time. And I'm going to expand on specifically that example related to my unique selling point, selling position. I wish way more people knew about weight inclusive care. Mm. I wish that it was an option. People find out about weight inclusive care through marketing, usually having an online presence. So getting to support clinicians to strengthen their ability to have an online presence so more people can find out that they can receive care that's not shame-based is the why. Goes right back to it. Preach. Goes right back to it. And you nailed it. There are when shit hits the fan in business, and I've asked myself, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point of me doing this? Getting to go back to something as simple not even simple, but a simple statement like that is for sure grounding. Absolutely. And then when you're able to get back to that, why even finding tangible examples from how you've helped people. Um, I know for me, I think about the amazing group practice owners who are hiring like their sixth employee this year that I've been able to help do that and new contracts that they've gotten and being able to negotiate fees with insurance so that they can take care of themselves as clinicians. And I just like, Get all the warm fuzzies. Absolutely. Which leads us to our third thing, because in order to keep those warm and fuzzies, you have to make sure that your business is feasible and will be able to support you. And there is two really big things we look at for feasibility of a business. The first one is, is there a need? What is the market like in your area? And how do you find out if there is a need? Sometimes it can be really obvious of, you know, connecting with another clinician who is in the same field as you and is like, oh, fuck, I'm slammed. I'd love to get clients over to somebody else because I have a wait list that's miles long. And then you're like, oh, I could start a private practice. Um, other ways is 
thinking about who your ideal client is, who you want to serve and doing market research with them. So if you want to work with moms, could you go into a mom Facebook group and see what the need is as far as whatever you're offering? Totally. If you want to get technical, if doing technical marketing, business development things is your jam, you can do what's called a SWOT analysis where you find other people in your space that are doing similar things and you look at their strengths, their weaknesses, opportunities to collaborate or opportunities that they're offering that you really like and threats. So things that they are offering that you don't offer that might be attracting some potential overlap. I'm going to say that I, that is a hundred percent within business. I'm a firm believer in community over competition. I believe there's space for everyone. So I'm not saying like do a spot analysis to be discouraged that other people are offering what you're offering. There's space for everyone, but it's helpful to know what has worked for others. And it's helpful to know what differentiating factors or unique selling positions you can bring to the table. Ah, I'm so glad you brought up the SWOT analysis. I feel like, I don't know, I have nostalgia over that from food service in dietetics, but it is such a helpful tool. And I was just thinking about threat too, because it's like, uh, we don't, again, we're all about community over competition. And so maybe the threat isn't somebody else that's providing a service to you, right? Maybe it's, I know for me, something I have in the back of my mind is I'm always afraid now that there's so much virtual access to care that insurance is going to cut our rates, which will affect pay and profit, which fucking sucks. And I have to keep on top of those things and know that that is and could be a threat. And what am I going to do if that happens? So there's many different things that can be a threat. I don't think that somebody else offering the same business as you is a threat at all. I don't think so either. When looking at if your business plan is feasible, you need to make sure there's a need and that what you're offering is going to be filling that need. The other thing that Hannah and I look at, we're going to start our money talk, is looking at profit margins. Hannah, what's a profit margin? So (laughs) I'm going to come up with my own definition because I don't know what the Webster's Dictionary definition is, but basically it's a range of percentage from revenue that is left over after expenses, payroll, taxes, all of that is taken out, which I say taxes, but if you have profit, you're going to be taxed on your profit. Did I, is that the definition you were looking for? That's the definition that I had. Revenue minus expenses equals profit. Oh, that's simple. I like it. And I want to reiterate, you need a profit to have a business. Say it with me. I'm just kidding. But seriously, I think when you're a clinician, well, I've seen in folks, they have a hard time with making money, which I get. And there's a difference between making money to meet your needs, getting paid what you're worth, and then doing it just for the money, price gouging, like ripping people off. We're not about that. Not at all. I was ready to say it with you. Revenue minus expenses equals profit. You need profit. And there's two ways to get profit. You can either set your prices out a way that exceeds your expenses or cut some of your expenses to where they're less than your revenue. I love that tip. I think a lot of the time when we think about increasing profit, we do think increasing prices, which again, if the market 
demands that and it's in alignment with what other people are offering and it makes sense? Absolutely. And are there other ways where you can increase profit without it impacting your clients if that is not feasible, right? And so, yeah, cutting expenses, seeing if you can get a deal if you pay for a yearly subscription versus the monthly. You can call different companies that you have subscriptions with and see if you can get a discount for being a customer for however long you've been a customer, things like that. Yes, I say, if you're just starting out, you can be virtual instead of having an office space. Huge expense cut out. So Absolutely. Rent is a big expense. So there's lots of options. The question, the follow-up question I usually get when talking about this is, well, what would my revenue goals be? And I like to bring everything back to personal decision-making. So the way that I figure out how much revenue I want to make in my business, I first determine what's the bare minimum that I need to pay myself and what's an ideal salary that I want to pay myself or ideal income that I want to pay myself. And I usually just times that by two to figure out my revenue goal. I want to make a note that this is a very rough estimate. I'm not an accountant. Please do not take this as advice uh, to fully function off of. Everyone's business is different. Everyone's income needs are different. This is just what I have found to work for me through the profit first method, which we will do a whole episode on that. But you know, if you want to pay yourself $50,000, then you probably need to be bringing in about $100,000 into your business to cover expenses, taxes, have a little bit left over for profit, and then pay yourself. And so you can even reverse engineer that of like, if you need to make $100,000 revenue, divide that by 50 or 52 weeks or however many weeks you want to work during the year to know how much money you're aiming to bring in each week. Absolutely. I like that you mentioned it really is individualized per business. Cause like we mentioned before, there's so many different kinds of offerings in, in this space that you can have, which is exciting and fantastic. Um, and you know, I'll speak to kind of the clinician piece and having a group practice. It really, it kind of aligns with what you said, Morgan of, you know, 50% actually. And as you grow, you can do a little more, which is fantastic. Cause If you have good people, you want to keep them, you want to reward them and pay them what they're worth. So 50 to 55% typically goes to the employee and then 25 to 30% goes to expenses and taxes. And then I'm going to fudge my numbers a little bit, 10 to 20% goes to profit. And then what you do with that profit can be so many different things, right? Like you can save towards buying a building. That's a goal that we have one day. Um, you can save it to increase benefits in the future. You can do profit shares with your team. You, there's so many things you want to do. And for the first few years, you probably want to use that profit to build a nest egg, like, and have money in your bank accounts in case shit hits the fan. It's like an emergency fund for your business. Absolutely. And so we say all that just to ground everyone in interacting with money in the business, if you have charged feelings about profit and the importance of having a profit or else you'll have to let go of employees. You won't be able to grow. 
There's things you can invest in for the future. So if you were virtual for a while and you wanted to save your profit and have money for renting, that's awesome. It's not just this, oh my gosh, I'm hoarding money and I'm getting paid so much because I'm making so much profit. It's no, you have to, to have a business and to sustain. Absolutely. So to recap, three things that Hannah and I recommend when you're starting a business. Number one, figure out what you're going to offer and have that one offering when you start. You don't need more than one. Number two, ask yourself why you're offering what you're offering. Identify your unique selling points. Figure out your differentiating factors. Really lean on that why. And number three, ask yourself, is this business plan feasible? Is there a need? Is there a way for me to make profit? So we each have one piece of advice, if we could only pick one, to offer people starting their business. And I will start us off. My advice is three words. Just fucking start. I see so many people get caught up in analysis paralysis, worried about not having all their ducks in a row. Guess what? Those ducks are going to be fucking running around screaming, laying eggs everywhere because it is just crazy at first. It can be. And you can't get distracted by that or paralyzed by that. If you start, there will be a snowball effect and you will figure out how to navigate the dynamics of having a business, starting a business and rolling with it. And when that's no longer sustainable for you because you're growing, you will find systems to help you organize. You will consult with lawyers, accountants, all those people to help make sure you are doing things ethically and by law. And I'm all about being scrappy for as long as you can until it threatens that boundary. But there's very little you can do to break the law in building a business in this space. I think that's what people get scared of the most when they they want to have all their ducks in a row is getting in trouble. And I get it. Nobody likes to be in trouble. I don't like to be in trouble either. You just have to start. I love that. I'm going to add a little, I 100% agree with that. I would say just fucking start by opening up a Google Doc and doing a complete brain dump. Ooh. It's my favorite way to just fucking start. We love an action item. There you go. There's the acronym. Or I feel like one of two things. If you have Google Docs on your phone, it's great. I like to type things on a laptop. So I usually prefer to do a Google Doc. The other option, if you're an Apple user, is a note section on your phone. Open up a quick little note and just anytime inspiration strikes, add to the list. Okay, I'm going to add one thing to that. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't want to be on technology and you want to dream and scheme, in a notebook, have a notebook, literal physical notebook, get a cool pen that you love writing with and jot shit down. I think the key is to have one place to write it all down that you can consistently, consistently reference. Yeah. Don't be like me and have 1000 post-it notes everywhere to task management systems and be crying. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound fun at all. If I could leave you with one piece of advice today, and the thing that keeps me going in my business is focusing on your personal life before your business. And what I mean by that is sitting down, putting on your favorite song, 
putting on your favorite playlist and picking one moment in time, three years from now, envisioning you doing exactly what you want to be doing. Where are you at? What day of the week is it? What does it feel like outside? What tasks are you doing that day related to your business or not? Because being able to have that vision of like, that's where I want to be in three years helps put things into perspective of what you need to be doing today. Because chances are, if you were to repeat this exact day over and over again, is that going to get you to your three-year vision? Wow. I love that. It's almost like a foreshadowing, forecasting, painting the picture of what you're working towards. And now you just need to fill in the steps to get there by just fucking starting. Yes. Nailed it. Well, I think it it relates to something that you and I are both passionate about, which is living a values-driven life mm-hmm. outside of work. I think there's definitely some room for overlap within those. I know my personal values definitely bleed into my business, but being able to identify the values that you want to be living out in three years and what exactly that looks like. For example, my three-year vision is literally me sitting on my patio outside of my cute little home in Houston that I'm going to be able to afford in three years that I can't right now. Three-year vision though. And I've just gotten back from an eating expedition trip and I'm sitting outside and it's a crisp November afternoon in Texas, which means it's probably not actually that crisp. It's probably like 80 degrees outside, but that's fine. (laughs) I can dream. In an ideal world, it would be like 50. I'd be wearing a sweater. But I just got back from an eating expedition trip and I'm debriefing and I'm waiting for my brother and sister-in-law and their current one kid, who knows what will happen in three years, to come over for dinner and being able to constantly remind myself like that's that's the moment in time that I want helps me focus on what do I need to be doing today to get there. Damn, that was such a good vision. I love that. Thank you. Do you have a vision in three years that you want to share? No, I feel like I need to get off this call and go make one. (laughs) The perfect time of year to do it. It sure is. Man, well, that's what we have for y'all today. To answer the question, where the fuck do I start with my business? Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you hear, share with a friend, leave us a review. In the new year, we're going to pick one listener a month to do a free business coaching session with. You can do it with Morgan or I, whichever feels more helpful. And we will see you next week. See you next week.